Welcome to Beyond Bitcoin, a podcast about all things digital assets, the global communities they are creating, the generations that are using and investing in them, and the challenges faced by the nations that are seeking to regulate them. The content of this program is not to be taken as investment advice. The opinions expressed in the program by the host and the guests are their personal opinions only. Remember, feel free to subscribe and share with like-minded friends. My name is Derek Graham. I'm the CEO of Portal Asset Management, and my co-host is Nitin Gower, Managing Director of State Street Digital Assets. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome along to another episode of Beyond Bitcoin. As normal, I have with me today my friend and co-host, Nitin Gower. Hello, Nitin. How are you going there? Hey, Derek. Glad to be back, though this was a short break between last Thursday and this Tuesday. But we had a great feedback from the uh, Boston Blockchain Association live podcast. That was fantastic. We should do that more often. But glad to be here. That's terrific. Well, we've, we've got two special guests with us today. And, um, and I've got to say, last week, I think we had 35 special guests with us, which was a little bit more challenging. It was a large and, and, and wonderful group, but we were delighted to do a live um, event. But, you know, today we're going to bring you, which is sort of typical of what we do, which is kind of thing, all things around blockchain and digital assets, but not overly focused on Bitcoin, hence beyond Bitcoin. And what we're talking about today is what angel investors, what entrepreneurs and what investors all face as a challenge. And that's the challenge of starting from scratch or the challenge of building their project and being able to get money into the project or in the case of the investors investing in a project and then providing this huge challenge of obtaining liquidity. I often call it when it comes to angel investors, the angel trilemma or, and that is you know, getting angel quality um, getting uh, investors in place and then getting liquidity at the end of it. So the team we've got in us today has looked at ways of resolving this by building community around cloud-based solutions and looking at reducing the costs of being able to take these investments, whether they're reasonably established or early status established, um, so that you know, everyone can have some exposure to private equity Everyone can see some of the democratization of alternatives that are out there. And, uh, and there's reasonably affordable access to be able to get these. One has to realize, although the noise is generated by listed companies, there's more value in private equity, venture capital, and alternative investment out there than there is on the listed exchanges. And so sure. how does Joe Average um, access this? Well, that's what we want to discuss today. And along with us today, we have Greg um, Sossman, who is the CEO of um, Planet Wealth. And we've also got Jeff Cole, who is a um, medical practitioner and also a board of Planet Wealth. Thank you very much for coming along. And hello, gents. Thanks for having us, Derek. Hey, I appreciate it. Good to Thanks see you, Mitten. Hey, likewise, uh, Greg and, and Jeff. Uh, before we get into our, our main uh, section of the podcast, today I'd like to address something that's, I think, core to Bitcoin and eventually the Web 3.0 economy, which is create a led economy, uh, which is around decentralized finance, which is sort of creating the entire element of making it available to all, hence the term democratization. Mm. The democratization of capital, I think, Derek, as you laid out, means the allocation of resources to the highest value added areas, not an equal distribution of resources per se, but regardless of sort of value creation potential. So therefore, as a society, as a 
community that's built around Web3 and some of the ethos of the community led by, again, the early days of Bitcoiners. We have to question how we allocate our limited resources and should these allocation decisions be made by and to preserve the current system, which is, uh, and the institutions that is aging and costly and laden with fees and inefficiencies? Yes. Or should we seek new ideas and projects that will improve individual wealth creation potential? And so this notion of how do we not only uh, what essentially Bitcoin led with is access to the same financial system, no matter where you're in the world, with some you know basic element of access to it. But more importantly for entrepreneurs, and I think we've seen that massively in the Web3.0 ecosystem where a lot of potential folks, and I think we'll talk a little bit more about the, the entire ICO revolution going to where we are today with Web3.0 in terms of creating wealth from token. But we have two amazing people, again, Greg and Jeff, I've worked with them for quite some time, uh, spend a few years in imagining this problem and crafting a solution. So Planet Wealth, uh, if you were to go to the website of planetwealth.com, boasts to democratize capital formation, which is raise capital, invest in opportunities, trade assets, and all in one single place, which I think is a quite quite a big task. So Jeff and Greg, welcome to Beyond Bitcoin. Great to have you on the podcast. Looking forward to exchanging some perspectives with you. So tell us more, uh, more about the journey, uh, the genesis of the projects, and your overall vision of what you want to achieve uh, from this. Good question. Good question. So you know, just to kind of frame it up a little bit, you know, the the whole project, the whole platform kind of started, um, you know, in response to what was going on 2017, 2018 with the ICOs. And what we were seeing was just an enormous amount of money being raised for pursuits, um, obviously, and unregistered, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but there was extreme amount of demand for for people, retail investors to just participate and that access to early stage uh, companies that can, ex- can experience significant growth. And in the US, that's, that's akin to the private capital markets. And it's where most non-accredited investors have been locked out for some time. And um, obviously the US is trying to stay as competitive as possible in their capital markets. And, and we've seen that through legislation, uh, specifically the Jobs Act, jumpstart our business startups. Um, the market's first response to all this was crowdfunding. And without focusing too much on crowdfunding, we, we kind of represent the evolution of that process where crowdfunding was great to serve the issuers or the people and the companies raising capital, um, but it wasn't so great for the investors. The structures of the deals weren't sound. Um, There's too much money being taken off the top. Um, and so that's kind of how this thing started was, okay, let's figure out a way to create a compliant issuance platform, securities issuance platform. And, uh, and it's kind of evolved as the regulatory uh, winds have shifted. And even more recently with the Jobs Act 4.0 legislation is proposed, but going back a year and a half ago, just the SEC kind of paving the way for how digital security could be traded on an ATS. And um, so we've kind of seen these things evolve and evolve, but at, at, at our core, um, we're looking to provide, uh, solve the solution, um, provide affordable capital formation tools for more people to participate, uh, more people to participate in capitalism, but go out and acquire assets uh, with or without you know, risking their own capital, leveraging their social capital uh, into financial resources. And so that's kind of the high level, but I'll pass it over to Jeff. 
I, I guess you could say that what brought me to this place uh, was frustration. Um, I'm, I'm a full-time hand surgeon, uh, but I've always had a, a second gig, if you will. I started an electronic medical record company back in 2003, and uh, we spent a lot of time and effort building a, a fantastic solution that um, was not just a documentation solution for the medical record, but it was an efficiency tool for the office. And we, uh, we just had trouble raising adequate growth capital. And uh, we knew we had a good product and, uh, and I know people and we just couldn't, we couldn't raise that capital. And, and, I, and I think that's a real common problem. Uh, right. I think when the small broker dealers went away back in the eighties and when venture capital kind of went risk off, um, there's just, there's a hole, there's a void. Um, kind of fast forward a bit, uh, a friend of mine has a uh, venture fund out in San Francisco and he mentioned the word blockchain to me probably four and a half years ago. And that was the first time I had heard the word actually. And I, I went way down the rabbit hole studying about, uh, about blockchain and, and ended up finding the, the, the precursor to what is now Planet Wealth. And so I've been, been involved, uh, very involved in trying to, to uh, verbalize our, our, our mission and, and what, uh, what we do want to do for uh, growing a community essentially surrounding a, uh, a digital investment bank and uh, just open, open the, the markets to that, that group that's been locked out of the private equity world. Yeah, so, so Jeff, this is fascinating. Uh, help me understand the connection between blockchain. And I think I know, I know where this is going, but, but, but let's verbalize this, right? From you spending the blockchain rabbit hole, which I think we all have our stories of how we got into it. And some of them are interesting. Some of them are like, I just read an article or, or read the white paper. Translating from understanding the potential of distributed ledger, tokenization, fractionalization, creating marketplaces to addressing this problem. I mean, you're a surgeon. You could have gone after the med EMR, EHR, which is electronic medical record, as you, as you mentioned, problem that also has a blockchain application to it. Why specifically capital formation? I think one, you know, I, I had run into that particular problem myself, just accessing capital. Uh, as I studied about blockchain, I realized there were going to be different industries where disruption was coming. Um, and I was just personally looking for an opportunity to, to invest in something where I felt you know, that disruption was going to happen. And I, I just saw that in the financial capital markets. Um, and interestingly, that you know, Planet Wealth in its earliest days, one of the first things that was coded was a uh, uh, was a token. It was called the CERC token, S-E-R-C. And uh, but you know, as things moved along, and, and we we followed some of the we we followed Securitize along, we followed Harbor, yeah. and the companies that started out purely as, as an issuance platform, you know, there, there just wasn't enough demand for their, their, their services at that point in time. So Securitize ended up adding, adding product lines. Um, and we stayed in the shadows building what we were building, but uh, um, watching T0, for instance, with their, their uh, partnership with, with uh, Boston Stock Exchange, Exchange when, you know, peer-to-peer -peer trading was basically shot down. Um, yeah. We we realized that the, the token was not going to be immediately necessary, and so um, we, we see that in the future, you know. But um, right now we're using 
um, a transfer agent to uh, to handle those securitized deals. Got it. So, so capital formation. So let's let's play this back, right? Um, we back in the day, you really did had this is average investor uh, didn't really have access to um, true sense of VC, which is again four times the capital markets today, which is what I think Derek mentioned earlier. And then came along Jobs Act, which gave at least middle of the pack, which is folk who had certain ability to take risks to enter the space. Then came along Rec CF, which is regulation crowdfunding, which allowed anybody to be able to invest whatever little amount they had. And then you had platforms such as Republic, Strat Engine, Offlikes, which lets you invest $100, $200 in the whole ecosystem. And incidentally, and I don't know if they're related, that's something which I need to research, that all this happened while crypto was emerging and evolving. Uh, Bitcoin paper was out. And this is again, in, in, in around the same time frame of development of crypto ecosystems, which truly went down with the mantra of let's go and democratize finance. Uh, are, they, are these two events related in the sense that just because now crypto made it easy for many of the entities to be able to jump into this and, and be able to see the, well, this is a bad timing for it. So some growth in their, in their early investments. And then you had the Rec CF and Rec CF built upon this. And so are you are you then leveraging some of those regulatory sort of um, you know, foundation to uh, then apply the blockchain technology to take this further? Is, is that the right way to think about this? I, I definitely think so. Um, you know, I think one thing we all agree is that, you know, the the capital markets are are going are continuing to be disrupted. Um, the digital transformation is occurring. It's financial financial markets. I feel like have been slower than some other industries, but at the end of the day, it's it's akin to the crowd economy, and yeah. uh, there's more efficiencies. The power of of people working together, groups coming together, communities working together uh, with technology, you know, allows you know some of the intermediaries to be cut out, and um, some of those traditional intermediaries, you know will fight that battle or invest, mm. right? Accordingly. And so we I definitely see that part of part of democratizing capital and capitalism and investment opportunities involves technology and it absolutely involves the blockchain. What I'm hoping to see too is when we use this term democratization, um, sometimes this might be a shock, but you know, the world is outside America too, you know what I mean? And, uh, and so I'm not talking about you know, the ability to send a file all the way from San Francisco to New York. I remember this as an argument for PDFs when they first came out. And I think, what about from New York to London? You know, um, so there's a big world out there. How is it possible that, you know, when we're talking about this real democratization means that any country in the world at any time and any person could invest some small amount of money into a, into a, uh, you know, into an early stage project or into any project, um, are you are you able to be able to supply supply that kind of platform too? That is that's going to be able to reach outside the shores of of the USA. Yeah. And before you answer that, Greg, let me piggyback. I think that's a really really brilliant point, Derek, because we have on this show uh, compared layer one to nation state status, where these protocols are attracting talent and and which is truly global system and. Again, I think as an American, as who, who lives in the United States, I do have a global perspective. And to Derek's point that, you know, is there an avenue that this platform could be opened up at least in a 
you know, in a way where some of the investment could come from anywhere in the world, exactly how you could have an ether in the US, you could have ether in Vietnam and the access to the Ethereum ecosystem and DeFi is exactly the same, no matter where you're in the world, same barriers, same fee structures, nothing changes. And I know this, it's a loaded question because there's a regulatory element of where we operate, but love to get your perspective if there's a one way to slice that pie of where we are today, but eventually get to that point from a vision perspective. I think that's I think that's probably the holy grail when when we when we're able to sure. you know provide opportunities and get more people participating and make it global. Obviously, we're 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 uh, we are Finra, an SEC registered broker dealer. We are we are navigating this through um, you know the most compliant way possible. But that's that is the hope, and I think I think that's where things are trending. How long things take. Um, to where that can be delivered. I, I do think that, um, you know, a lot of this stuff is going to be ironed out very soon because the adoptions there, the technology has been proven. Uh, and yeah. so we're, we're, in, we're in a very interesting time with the Bitcoin bill and all this. And there's a lot of talk about it because it's the elephant in the room that needs to be addressed, right? And it's not just, oh, is this a security or is this a commodity? Um, it's, it's a, let's put a framework together that allows us to leverage this technology and, and, uh, and benefit from it. So one thing, Greg, could you, could you paint a picture for, let's say, for example, Nitin as an entrepreneur, uh, would like to raise, let's say $5 million for a crypto project. And I'm not, I'm using the word crypto project by, by, uh, you know, in, in a, in a, in a sense to compare to say, why would I go to. Planet Wealth versus why don't we go directly to the crypto community and, and appeal to some of the DeFi projects and have a kick-ass tokenomic structure to raise funds from the crypto ecosystem versus coming to Planet Wealth. What would your argument be to attract me uh, to raise funds on your platform? Um, and of course, I get the whole regulatory modes, but love to get your thinking as to how do you attract entrepreneurs like myself and, and Derek here uh, to be able to come to your platform? Sure. Well, by utilizing our technology and our software, um, you know, we can we can essentially eliminate as much of the intermediary intermediary costs associated with with forming that capital. Uh, should you should you have an audience that you have to, to market to even better? Uh, we've helped provide marketing tools to uh, kind of put that opportunity in front of your audience, leverage our own community. Um, essentially, you know, the only way we see to grow. Um, a community and ultimately a successful investment bank or brokerage firm is to grow our clients and to grow the wealth of our clients. And we just have a, I would consider a more inclusive approach to growing that investment bank um, by providing tools for anyone to go out and participate, whether they have their own capital or not. So in, in your, in your scenario, it's just leveraging community, whether it's your, your, your users, um, whether it's, you know, Reg D, Reg CF, Reg S, yeah. whatever uh, exemption you choose if you're, you know, it originating in the U.S. And, um, and ultimately being able to, um, to share, the, share that extra benefit from the cost savings, potentially with better returns for your community and your investors, um, hopefully creating a win-win environment. It's funny, Derek, uh, you'll, you'll get a laugh at this. Uh, there were all kind of memes happening in terms of play to win, play to earn. And after the entire crypto bust that happened, uh, you know, in, in May with the, with the entire sort of uh, dominoes falling, uh, I begin to use the term, you know, work to earn. 
concept that we <laughs> no longer play to Arn. <laughs> it's yeah. work to Arn. So I have, I have two choices. Imagine that. You have to work to Arn now. No longer just play to Arn. It's just work to Arn, the <laughs> traditional model of going to, having a job, doing your bit, contributing to society and, and making a living out of it. But, <laughs> but I think that I have two terms for you, gentlemen, and you have to pick one of those or create a combination of the two. Uh, I'm going to call it Demofy. <laughs> which is democratic finance, or I'm going to call it uh, form to fund uh, as, as the two terms. And you, I'll let you pick any of the two from this perspective. But I think the thematic element of this, I think you're suggesting is that the, the attractiveness of the platform is really going after uh, inviting entrepreneurs and inviting investors and giving them a marketplace to connect and giving them option optionality uh, and 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 penetrate that system while being in the framework of regulatory and compliance uh, that the law dictates. If if that's the right way to frame this, absolutely. I mean, it's it's to yeah, capture right. the same the, the same enthusiasm, the same demand, the same uh, skill and ambition that's out there that participates every day in crypto, but do it in a regulated space and give them the tools to to go out and create wealth for themselves. It's not, you know, buy this coin, it's going to go 10x, you know, tell all your friends. It's, uh, you know, get involved in this platform, participate actively or passively, but there's, there's a lot of different ways to participate within a, a regulatory framework. But it's, it's, that, it's the exact enthusiasm that, that we see um, uh, with a lot of retail crypto investors that just want access uh, to something that could be, you know, more valuable. It's, it, they want access to the private markets. You know, they want to get in on a deal before the IPO, you know, and, and that's that's kind of what we tried to capture. Very much so. And may I say, you know, you say social capital and we talk about crowdfunding as if it suddenly was created like, you know, four years ago or five years ago, or maybe crypto was the reason for crowdfunding to begin with. Um, you guys that know that lovely bridge in Sydney, that Sydney Harbour <laughs> Bridge was crowdfunded. The, really? The, oh, cool. the, yes, I didn't know that. And, and the opera house was crowdfunded and they crowdfunded it by virtue of tax lotto. So in other words, they created a um, gambling lottery that people would invest in and they gamble in and, and, and they'd buy tickets constantly. And that generated the return necessary to build the opera house and before that to build the Sydney Harbour Bridge. And so, so um, crowdfunding has been around for a long, long time in many different forms, but they have one consistent form that is its community. And if you guys can build communities via virtue of having a platform that brings together um, both small investors, medium-sized investors, institutional investors, et cetera, you're gonna play a really important role in the process of raising, uh, raising funds. You know, they write, they, they, they have great movies about, you know, raising monies from startup entrepreneurs. And the reason they do that is because it's bloody hard. That's the reason they do it. And if yeah. you guys can make that easier and provide more access to this market, you know, that's really powerful. Um, so uh, I must say to those that want to contact you, um, they can contact you at theplanetwealth.com uh, for a start and visit that um, website and contact you through there. Any other ways, Jeff and Greg, you'd like them to contact you too along the way? Yeah, feel free to shoot me an email. It's gsossaman at planetwealth.com. Email me at uh, rjcole, C-O-L-E, at planetwealth.com. Thanks very much, gentlemen.
Thank you, Liz. Terrific. Look forward to seeing your success along the way and maybe hearing about how you progress. As again, that part of the ecosystem really needs nurturing and well done for stepping in and providing a solution for that. Um, wish you all the best. Thanks very much. And to everyone else, we look forward to seeing you next week on Beyond Bitcoin and, uh, and our next speaker along the way. Bye for now. Bye, guys. We hope you enjoyed our weekly conversation. If you have any questions, comments, or suggested topics, please contact Nitin Gower or myself on the emails displayed here or via our LinkedIn profiles. Feel free to subscribe and share with like-minded friends. Stay well, inquisitive, and engaged. See you next week.